0: You're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. We've all seen cases in the news and in our practices of children on multiple medications being labeled bipolar. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. John Hardy. Dr. Hardy is a board-certified child, adolescent, and forensic psychiatrist who is the medical director of the Colorado Boys' Ranch. Welcome. Hi, Leslie. John, you know, uh, this whole concept about bipolar disorder in adults, and especially children, is troubling to many, especially when you look at some of the diagnostic criteria for bipolar disorder, like mood swings. Enlighten us on how we can appropriately diagnose bipolar disorder in children and adolescents.
1: I think that's probably the, the mainstay of most of child and adolescent psychiatrist training is to try and sort this dynamic diagnosis out. It's an ongoing process. I don't think we've figured it all out. The real controversy does not occur primarily with the adolescents because generally a teenager, someone who's hit puberty, will have the same basic types of symptoms that otherwise completely adult patient would have in presenting with symptoms of mood swings, hypomania, et cetera. And in fact, the peak onset for bipolar disorder is between the ages of 15 and 18, so really with the onset of puberty. And it seems to have an equal distribution in general, as you know, between males and females, but there is a great preponderance of females who present with their first episode of bipolar illness, much greater than males, so that that gender balance doesn't come until over the entire life cycle when you look at it. Now that said, the complication, as you well know, is that people with bipolar illness are not as infrequent as we thought, maybe up to 3 to 5% of the general population. Um, It can really range in severity from an illness that is fairly easily managed to one that, as you know, can be completely disabling. And people present with depression two or three times before they ever have symptoms that allow you to make any kind of informed decision that this really is a bipolar illness. You may suspect it because there's family history and those sorts of things. But that's the only nuance I would tell you about the teenager presenting is maybe a more severe depression, a strong family history of bipolar illness, and maybe unusual reaction or failure to respond to typical mood elevators and therapy may give you a clue or at least make you think perhaps that's the type of condition you're having. The real controversy comes when we talk about the pre-adolescent child. And when I entered into my fellowship training, in the early 90s, the question was, quote, is it really bad ADHD or is it bipolar disorder? And I think over the last 17 years or so, the psychiatrists, as they began thinking about the problem, have agreed that it's that's not the question. It's almost always, yes, we know there's ADHD. The question is, is it also a bipolar mood disorder? And really, the researchers that have, I think, done the most to shed good light on it is the work of Barbara Geller and colleagues at Washington University, where they have Identified youngsters, average age of onset is probably around six to seven years of age. I've done careful diagnostic interview schedules with them and verified that they have problems with elevated or grandiose mood, that they really are very different than other hyperactive children, that they often have psychotic symptoms, and they can be identified fairly reliably through clinical interview. And so it isn't usually an overdiagnosis. These are youngsters with severe impairments. And sadly, These are youngsters that remain ill sometimes for months at a time and and often do not become stable in terms of diagnostic criteria. So Dr. Geller has followed these children for years now and has documented they have very persisting and severe mood disorders and have uh, really severe impairments as well. Now, what to do about them is another issue, and uh, oftentimes children, the pharmacology that we would use in adults uh, is not as successful in youngsters. And there's several reasons, just because of metabolic issues and developmental issues that come up. One example I found clinically is lithium is a, one of the few medicines that have been shown to be effective in placebo-controlled studies in bipolar illness in kids. However, it's hard to use because often to get the dose to a therapeutic level for them is at a dose that they can't tolerate, either because of toxicity or dehydration. And so these are some of the problems that we've really struggled with, is trying to find when we know we've got a severe psychotic mood disorder, what can we do? And uh, you'll find a whole variety of pharmacologic and other types of approaches being used. And I don't think that we know now what is the best treatment.
0: You mentioned psychotic symptoms in children as young as six. What does that look like?
1: Well, it can present with anxiety, primarily. Uh, It might present, as I mentioned earlier, as a refusal to leave for school. Um, But it can be certainly flagrant hallucinations, persecutory, and other things. Sadly, uh, I've treated children who... Around six to eight began hearing voices, sometimes commanding them to hurt themselves, stab themselves with knives, things like that. So the same kinds of symptoms you can see in uh, an adult with, let's say, paranoid schizophrenia, you can see very similar types of abnormal psychotic symptoms as well. They're obviously abnormal and dramatic. The thing to keep in mind, though, is you you need to be sensitive to when a youngster is having imagination Children can describe imaginary friends. They can say they hear their friends. Sometimes uh, teenagers, when they're angry, can say they hear a voice telling them to punch somebody that's made them angry. And those don't usually represent a true psychotic symptom in, in the usual sense of the word, but rather just normal imagination or a slight perturbation of thinking because somebody is in extreme
0: Anxiety state. The problem I've had with these kids is so often, at least what I've seen, is that they kind of become intertwined with superheroes and kind of, you know, fantasy. Cartoonish sort of characters, and it's been really hard for me to figure out. Well, what's just a very rich fantasy life, and in being a fan of a certain you know superhero, as opposed to being psychotic.
1: Exactly, my own personal experience. Also, children don't have a necessary a sense of reality. I'll, I'll give you a brief example. Uh, a close friend of the family was crazy about a guy named Evil Knievel, and he was about five years old. And Evil tried to jump the Snake River Canyon, and failed. And Lorenzo was just distraught about it. The next day, however, I found him watching TV. It was a replay and he didn't understand that. And he was saying, you can do it this time. So sometimes the sense of time and permanency isn't established in a youngster who's young. And so they might look irrational, but it's not. It's just a normal developmental stage. So you, what you really want to take a look for, obviously, is the common sense. If without impairment, there isn't a disorder, So if someone believes they're can evil? the question is, is that an impairment or not, or is that causing any distress for them? And if it isn't, odds are it's not a major mental illness. Sadly, when children develop schizophrenia and bipolar illness, it's the impairments that frequently lead. That is, we know the youngsters are doing horribly in terms of being able to uh, tolerate separation, go to school, handle frustrations, learn things. The question is, why? And that often becomes apparent only over time and persistence.
0: If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lynch, your host, and with me today is Colorado psychiatrist Dr. John Hardy. We are discussing serious mental illness in children. Now, Dr. Hardy, you mentioned a bit about schizophrenia, but can you tell us more about childhood onset schizophrenia?
1: Yes, certainly. It is not common that you'll see a youngster before puberty develop symptoms of schizophrenia, but it clearly can happen. And the National Institute of Mental Health has had a ongoing study of these youngsters. We know that they suffer cortical and other brain loss. They've had Dr. Thompson and others have done twin studies looking at normal and abnormal And it may be, like I mentioned earlier, precocious onset schizophrenia may have a a much more severe outcome than even the adult types. Certainly, uh, we know that these youngsters require and benefit from treatments, including medicines as difficult to take as clozapine, and uh, can be greatly improved as a result. So, this is a condition that does occur sometimes in early childhood and sometimes can be uh, overwhelmingly debilitating. At one point, it was sometimes described as a disintegrative disorder of childhood, but I think at this point, uh, many individuals view it as the same, but maybe a more severe form of those family of illnesses we call schizophrenia.
0: Now, do these children ever recover completely?
1: They probably don't recover completely. Um, They probably improve. The outcomes suggest that they're going to have persisting mental illness, and they'll need uh, continuing care. I don't know how many individuals present in childhood with clear symptoms of schizophrenia that persist that actually end up functional as adults. That said, teenagers can present with psychotic symptoms, and when you follow them up, can look entirely normal. So the the age of onset, uh, quasi-psychotic symptoms during a mood-affective episode in a teenager Having worked at the state hospital level, I've seen youngsters who are severely, severely ill, presumably with a bipolar illness, and yet uh, can do remarkably well when you follow them up over the course of several years. And let me just say that children with schizophrenia can still grow and develop and be remarkably improved through treatment, but it would be hard for me to say what percentage could actually be independently mentally well as adults.
0: So we're talking often cases about lifelong treatment. How does that inform your decision about medications?
1: I think it does. There have been some prodromal studies, let's say, in schizophrenia. I think it's McGlashan or McGorry. But they've looked at individuals who are developing psychotic symptoms. And there are some rating scales that can be used by experts like out of Yale and Ireland that will identify sort of incipient or prodromal schizophrenia And one of the studies used an atypical antipsychotic, risperidone, to try and treat those individuals. And what they found was a reduction in the onset, or at least a delay in the onset of full psychotic symptoms. So there is the promise if we could identify youngsters early enough and accurately enough that perhaps we could intervene. There's also quite a bit of interest right now that psychotropic medications not only treat symptoms, but they may prevent progression of, let's say, brain changes that may worsen prognosis, not just for things like schizophrenia where the atypicals have, I think, a very provocative history of perhaps being neuroprotective, but also in treatments of depressions where now we're starting to hear a lot more about brain-derived neurotrophic growth factor. And so we're kind of caught between being optimistic about our medications and wanting to change outcome in precocious illness and at the same time exercise caution and not exposing uh, young people to medications before we have adequate safety information. That's really the difficult area where child psychiatrists spend most of their time, unfortunately.
0: What about metabolic risks in these children?
1: I think they're probably enhanced, has been my experience. That is, with, let's say, the atypicals, weight gain, and those sorts of issues, uh, I think are enhanced. I recently presented a, a poster With Dr. Terry Bellnier looking at over 500 boys at the Colorado Boys Ranch, just their metabolic state, and found a very high incidence of obesity, and our data would suggest that issues around weight, lipids, and those sorts of things are even more important in the younger children. And even in most adults.
0: I want to thank our guest today, Dr. John Hardy. We have been discussing treating serious childhood psychiatric problems. I am Dr. Leslie Lund. You've been listening to the Clinicians Roundtable on ReachMD XM 233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.